I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at rainnetwork.com. This is RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Today's conversation is about Israel's new government, specifically National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir. His recent visit to the Temple Mount was controversial, but as Rain's senior Middle East and North Africa analyst Ryan Bull tells us, not quite as destabilizing as it might have been. Welcome back to the podcast, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Emily. So first, some basics. Why does the Temple Mount matter, and what was at stake with that visit? So the Temple Mount is a site in Jerusalem, which I'm sure many listeners, especially, you know, Jewish or Christian and Muslim listeners are aware is is one of the most holy sites uh, in the Abrahamic religions. And holy sites, when we look at them through geopolitics, we typically don't necessarily ascribe significance to those holy sites in and of themselves unless they animate uh, a change in behavior from either states or non-state actors. Uh, there are lots of holy sites out there that don't cause uh, geopolitical struggles. But the Temple Mount is one of those sites that does and has routinely done so uh, throughout its history, particularly when it's come under Israeli control. And, and the Temple Mount right now has an arrangement where Jordan where Jordan oversees its administration, but its security, its its political organization, that's all dealt with by Israel. At the same time, the Palestinians want to have custodianship of the Temple Mount at a certain point, or the Al-Aqsa Mosque, as they call it, at a certain point when there's a Palestinian state established. And so there's all this significance that goes both religious and political uh, that goes into this site. And whenever an Israeli politician visits that location, it is seen as a signal that Israel is staking a claim to the Temple Mount and that it is becoming less willing to compromise over its future status and that it is attempting to take control of it permanently. Uh, And this was a particularly fraught moment because when Itamar Ben-Gavir, as national security minister, decided to visit, it was widely seen as the Israeli government now once again trying to stake out control of the Temple Mount. And when this has happened in the past, particularly when uh, former Prime Minister Ariel Sharon visited in the year 2000, that was a trigger for the Second Intifada. His visit was seen as an attempt to take control of the Mount, and Yasser Arafat and the Palestinian Liberation Organization decided to respond with violence. And then we had years of violence afterwards. Now, that did not happen this time. That's really notable uh, that this time with uh, Ben Gavir's visit, while it's controversial and we're seeing the United Nations take steps to uh, discuss it, possibly even censure it, uh, we're not seeing a widespread violence breaking out in the Gaza Strip, and we're not seeing a widespread uprising happening in the West Bank. Ryan, with the risk of conflict so high, why wasn't there more violence? Well, it's a good question because There was a widespread expectation that this could trigger violence, and the reality is that a future visit by Ben Gavir or anybody from the far-right religious Zionism party or religious Zionism uh, electoral alliance is really what they are. If any of those uh, members decide to visit the Temple Mount, one of those could trigger violence, but it didn't this time. And part of the reason it didn't this time is because, one, we did see signals from the government that it did not sanction this move by Ben Gavir. This was him kind of going rogue as an individual official deciding to take a visit that the state itself was not sanctioning. That did help with perceptions. Uh, But the other thing is that unlike in the year 2000, uh, there is no path 
for Palestinians to use wide-scale violence that results in them getting concessions from Israel. Back in the year 2000, that moment where the Yasser Arafat decided to back the uprising, the intifada that was breaking out at that time, was because he believed that that was a moment to pressure Israel into bigger concessions. And right now, under this hardline, far-right-leaning government, uh, nobody believes that Netanyahu or his uh, religious Zionist allies are in a mood to provide any concessions uh, to the Palestinians. So if they did use this moment to engage in violence, either from the Gaza Strip or from the West Bank, the result would be an Israeli military crackdown or an Israeli military campaign that would result in significant Palestinian civilian casualties, lots of damage to the regional economy, and no clear uh, path for reconstruction aid. Because reconstruction aid in this post-COVID environment, this inflation environment, this Russia-Ukrainian environment, a lot of countries are very skeptical with aid. And Palestine has seen probably one of the biggest drops in aid from the international community from these macroeconomic uh, conditions. So if they decided to pick this fight at this moment, not only would they endure severe damage and they would probably get uh, no concessions from the Israelis, but there might not be anybody there to help them rebuild in the aftermath. So what does Ben Gavir's decision to ignore pressure from Netanyahu tell us about the future direction of Israel's new government? Well, it, it tells us what we kind of already knew from the election results, which is that the far right has a lot of the cards in this Israeli government, and they will be able to push their agenda in ways that are unexpected or unwanted. Uh, they'll be able to be destabilizers uh, to this, this government uh, whenever they choose, because at the end of the day, while Netanyahu's Likud party is the largest party in the Knesset, uh, they need the religious Zionists almost – perhaps even more than religious Zionism needs them. And that's because Netanyahu himself needs to stay in power to avoid uh, possible legal prosecution from his ongoing corruption trials. So if they decide not to indulge the far right, the far right could leave the government, call new elections, and the result could be that Netanyahu never returns to power at all and might face legal consequences because of it. So in this moment, we know that the far right is going to push their agenda. They're going to be uh, occasional mavericks. They're going to be wild cards. And they're going to do things that Israel's more or mainstream parties, including Likud, uh, probably don't necessarily want them to do. And that could be destabilizing because in a future visit to the Temple Mount or a future visit to perhaps a controversial settlement or simply some incendiary rhetoric that isn't authorized by Likud, we could see those cause grassroots violence to break out uh, within the West Bank or in the Gaza Strip. And then we do have an escalation pattern that could lead us back into a regional conflict, if not an outright war uh, between Israel and the Palestinians. So risks worth monitoring for sure. For sure. Ryan Bowl is Rain's senior Middle East and North Africa analyst. Thanks for that, Ryan. Thank you, Emily. Rain is the Risk Assistance Network and Exchange, a global risk intelligence company that combines real-time tactical with strategic intelligence and analysis for risk and security professionals. Rain is the only business in the risk management industry that actually helps clients take action to mitigate risks through our network of risk experts. Find out more about how Rain can help you at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.